Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Tony Cotty, and you're listening to the We Are West End podcast. You are listening to the We Are West End podcast with me, Will Pugh, Tom Edwards, and James Jones. Right. Who was it last week who said the wheels were falling off? Absolute clown, whoever it was. But anyway, we need to get tonight's show done nice and quickly because I need to finish off my Russian visa application ahead of the 2022 Champions League final in St. Petersburg, where West Ham are definitely going to be playing. I've done the we're all going on a European tour as an intro before. I did want to do it again, but not tonight because I like to stay original here on the We Are West Ham podcast. Lads. Uh, Will Pugh, Tom Edwards, James Jones, the trio back together for another week. Real Madrid, Roma and Bayern Munich, uh, I'd like in the group stage. Uh, James, any any other thoughts on that? Uh, no, I, I mean, I'd, I'd take anyone. Yeah, I don't really care who it is. Um, no, come on, I want Barcelona. <laughs> I'd like to say Barcelona. Yeah, it's a bit uh, high it, up, it, I thought. The away end. It might be, yeah, but no, I need, need the exercise, so I can walk, walk up the steps and that, so that'd be nice. But, um, but yeah, I mean, just, just the thought of having Lionel Messi and Mark Noble on the same pitch is just, yeah. just two, a dream. Two modern-day geniuses, the greatest footballers yeah. of the yeah. modern age. It would be lovely. It would just be a dream come true. <laughs> Don't you think it is actually quite funny that Mark Noble and Lionel Messi are the same age? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and same ability. I will point that out. Same ability. In their own right. Exactly, mate. Exactly. Uh, Tom, who are you having then? Champions League group stage because we're obviously qualifying. Absolutely no brainer just because Timo Werner fell over and tripped one into the goal. We've proven you don't even need a striker anyway. So who are you having Champions League group stage next year? Listen, mate, either one one team I want a bit of sun for the early fixture. When we head out there, we get a bit of a time. We get some colour for those two days. And then I wouldn't mind an Amsterdam, Ajax sort of vibe or a Prague. So just getting mm. stuck into a decent European city, but 
I'll take anything. I'll go leggy of Warsaw. I'll go wherever it takes. But but I'd, a bit of sun to kick me yeah. off. I need so as much ma- as I can get me. Maybe Porto. Yeah, we'll have it. We'll have yeah, it. Valencia, sure. we'll Valencia would yeah. be pretty good. I don't know how they're getting on in La Liga yeah. at the moment, but all right, Tom's saying anywhere in Spain and Portugal. I, I don't mind that. That's not too bad at all. I like the idea of Roma, that Olympic Stadium. I don't like the idea of getting knives, bottles, cans thrown at you and the the um, mafia-controlled police like shepherding you into ambushes left, right, and centre. I don't like that idea at all. But the Olympic Stadium is quite iconic, isn't it? A few um, like decent. I remember Man United playing Roma away. A lot. I think that would uh, that'd make for a nice one. I was a bit torn with the German one. I did think Dortmund at first, but I think their atmosphere is pretty good in it. And you think Bayern Munich, similar to what James saying, watch uh, Craig Dawson have Robert Lewandowski in his pocket for 90 minutes at Bayern Munich away. It would be quite something to behold, wouldn't it? But lads, look, uh, enough of that. We'll sort out our planning later. I'll do the visas for the three of us. Jonesy, you can sort out the, uh, the transport because I know that if it was left to Tom we'd all be riding there on three push bikes and I'm not going all the way to St. Petersburg on a uh, on a little uh, tandem bike with uh, with one of them sidecars on it with Tom in it <laughs> but Josie how are you a uh, brilliant win against uh, Sheffield United thoroughly professional performance they weren't much of a uh, opposition which was lovely to see traveling blade last week was uh, definitely right wasn't he about Sheffield United? Not very, very good. We'll do it in more detail after the housekeeping in a bit. But how are you? What did you make of it all? Uh, on top of the world, mate. Um, last season, we lose that. I, and, I, and it feels like we say it every week, but it's those little fixtures against difficult opposition. Um, do you remember when we used to be in a position where we go, right, win that and we go seventh? Like, how could that be? And then we, we end up losing. I don't even remember that. <laughs> right, right. Three, well, I think three times this season, We've we've had the opportunity to go fourth if we win, and every, every time we've done it. Um, at West Ham of old would never have won those games. The pressure would have been too much. Um, so yeah, I'm absolutely buzzing. Uh, I've got a question for you, mate. Actually, uh, and I'm sure we'll go into this a little bit more. Um, but I just want you to rate out of ten your thoughts on um, Saeed Ben Rama's performance off the bench <laughs> on Monday night because. His performance off the bench last week in the FA Cup against Old Trafford had you spit in feathers. You were livid and he was the only one trying to create something. It wasn't his best performance. He's come off the bench against Sheffield United. We're 2-0 up. Nothing really to play for. We've got the three, pen- three points already in the bag and he's turned up. He's got an assist. He's arguably the best player on that pitch for what the, the, that final six and a half minutes that he played. Um, I just want you to... Just, I, I'm just really interested to, to know how you felt about his performance because I know you're, you're not his biggest fan. No, I was just glad to see him save his West Ham career, mate, because it was, uh, it was on, <laughs> on a knife edge after uh, Old Trafford, as you mentioned there. But yeah, you know, Sheffield United players had all given up. They didn't even want to defend for the 85 yeah. minutes before. But no, it was nice to see him uh, do a couple of little step-overs in the box and play it to our right-back while Sheffield United just stared and watched him uh, smash it in the bottom-left corner. But no, I got uh, I think it was John Goodman on Twitter this week who uh, who replied. I did, get, I, <laughs> I did get a little bit of um, a couple of kickbacks on the Ben Rama points. And I, I did say at the time that the worst part of my personality comes out when we do podcasts straight after a game. It's never good, certainly for me. It never makes me come off well. Um, yeah, I think it was John Goodman who who said I was harsh on Ben Rama, and you know maybe maybe I was, maybe I wasn't. But you know, there's a reason that with uh, that Moyes left him on the bench to start with, didn't we? I thought Manuel Lanzini performed admirably 
in his place. Um, yeah, I, I thought everyone played really well. Jesse Lingard was fantastic, made up for the... Uh, there was a bit of concern, wasn't there, at Fulham. You thought, oh, was it just a flash in the pan? But he was absolutely outstanding again. Um, yeah, I thought all, all in all, exactly what you said, James. I think the difference is uh, there's a temptation for people to go, oh, Sheffield United were no good. Um but no, I thought well, it doesn't matter. You can only beat what's in front of you. And they, they weren't bad, to be fair. They, I thought they, yeah. they looked good at times. They yeah, weren't I mean, the worst team you played this season. If they didn't Definitely have David weren't. McGoldrick up front, <laughs> perhaps it might have been a different story. But Tom, yeah. look, before we do all that in a bit more detail in a minute, how are you? How's things? Yeah, all good, mate, as always. Yeah, coming off a win, it's it's a lovely feeling. And like what you both said, I just just think um, seeing a West Ham team lose a game and actually bounce back and, and deliver a performance which is up to scratch and shows that we're here to stay and that was that was the blip and we're not going to go through a, a lull. Maybe we will this season. I'm sure there'll be a period where we do lose two or three on the bounce and maybe that's coming up. We've got tough fixtures. But I think the mentality shown throughout the season has been that they're willing to step up and, and the standards are very high and don't know how true this is and it was carrying on on comms who said it but the, the fact that when we lost that cup game the noble came in and demanded that we got europe this season and made a big plea to the players that now now we're out this cup we've got to go out there and get europe and i hope that is the mentality because that's what we're seeing on the pitch so even little things like that give me hope so yeah it was a, it's a good day good week and i'm happy to be doing this mate Absolutely, mate. Yeah, Declan Rice's interview after the game was absolutely lovely as well. Just heartwarming stuff. Fell in love with him just that little bit more. But yeah, like you said, Tom, it's that mentality he was talking about, which I liked. But look, we'll do the Sheffield United reaction in a little bit more detail in a minute. Let's just have a bit of housekeeping first. Nice to say hello to you. Make sure that you're both still okay, which you absolutely are. James, I'm loving your jumper this evening as well, as I've already told you off air. But let's do a little bit of housekeeping first of all. Do follow us on Twitter at we are under underscore West Ham like uh, John Goodman and a couple of others did in the week and uh, gave me a little bit of stick after last week's show. Always happy to receive that sort of thing. Your feedback, get involved with uh, me and the lads on Twitter at we are underscore West Ham uh, and we'll, we'll get a reply from one of us usually. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. As always, you can watch these full shows and some other little bits and pieces uh, that we put up on YouTube. Scroll down to the description of this podcast to find a link to the channel if you want to have a look over there on instagram and stuff as well but yeah and do obviously remember to subscribe to the podcast rate it and review if you can if you haven't already and just tell your mates about us if that's okay if you like what we do if you like the guests that we have uh, that's what helps more than any of that other stuff is just text your mate uh, if they don't already listen and say, have a, have a get your ears around this this week. This is outstanding stuff that Will Pugh talks absolute balls about Saeed Ben Rama. So let what's coming up on the show tonight, lads. We promised you a couple of weeks ago that we were going to have Andy Byrne, the spokesperson from Hammers United. Some of you might have heard his interview with Jim White and Simon Jordan on TalkSport a couple of weeks ago where Andy, by his own admission, didn't have his best afternoons. So we'll have him on. He'll be able to clarify that, uh, how Hammers United sit in the Independent Supporters Committee, their stance on GSB out, what they would ask of the new owners, their survey results. They uh, polled fans. Thousands of West Ham fans responded on things that matter to them and uh, Hammers United's future plans. So Andy will be on in part two. We'll have the Betway charity bets and what a special guest we've got tonight. I promised it for last week. We couldn't quite nail it down. But this week we are delighted to say that the commentator 
from the famous West Ham Clips Twitter account is joining us. We've got an interview with him and he'll be making a selection for the charity bets ahead of the Tottenham game. It is the big one. We've got the opposition view with Alex Milne, sports journalist from the Daily Mirror and Tottenham fan will be joining us in part four to talk ahead of that big London derby, West Ham v Tottenham London Stadium, Sunday the 21st of February, midday kickoff. What a game that is, West Ham going into it in great form. Tottenham, not so much, but I've still got that horrible, nervous feeling in the pit of my stomach, especially with Harry Kane loitering around at the top end of that pitch. Name that game is back. Thomas Edwards is quiz master. He's got an impressive lead at the top of the table. Four points ahead of me and six ahead of James who sits bottom so there could be a new leader this week that's Tom who's in charge of name that game there we'll wrap up of course as we ever do with West Ham women still 11th in the WSL lost 1-0 away to Brian on Wednesday where will this next win come from in the WSL for the girls Laura Vetterlein was the player of the match by far a couple of chances but again West Ham just need to get some points on the board and then we'll wrap it up briefly with some final thoughts from the lads as we always do and say goodbye with the fantasy Premier League update so loads to come as always on the We Are West Ham podcast Tom I'll throw to you first because uh, I didn't like James calling me out there with that uh, sarcastic question about Saeed Ben Rama. Therefore, you can go first this week, mate. Sheffield United, like I said, Travelling Blade was right last week. James is saying they played all right. I didn't think they were much opposition for us at all. It's easy to say it was an almost perfect performance by West Ham, but a clean sheet, three goals, you know, it was pretty outstanding, I thought. What were your thoughts? Yeah, exactly that. And, and particularly so, yet again, I had my pre-match meltdown when I saw the team come out. Was and post-match, no by the way. And post-match. So just pre- a yeah, general yeah, both, nightmare. <laughs> both come and then they won't last until the morning when I'm sober. But um, no, I saw before the game, I, I looked at that and I thought it just screams how stupid are we and, and how much they're trying to mug the fans off for the whole Antonio thing by keeping it under wraps and not saying anything and, and just going into games without a striker and not knowing why I thought it was all stupid but Moy's got it absolutely spot on like the way he got that front three and four to play was pretty special I think Lingard was superb best player on the pitch for the 80 odd minutes he was on he was giving us all sorts up there Bowen as well it just it just worked really well when we came for a period like Jonesy said I, I think they're a decent side and we got through this bit of a sticky period where they put a bit of pressure on and we sort of worn it and then we showed our quality and came through. So I thought a lot of positives, including Ben Johnson, who probably doesn't get the recognition he deserves for how young and how good he's been for us playing an out position. I don't think he's played right back once in his whole West Ham career. So like he's improving it and each each game he plays, he's improving. I think it's another huge positive and just, just, a, just a win's a win and we came through it and we looked brilliant. Don't you find it's one of those funny things, though? You say uh, he's not getting the respect he deserves. And at the moment, there's about 10,000 people every day on Twitter going, he's not getting the respect he deserves. It's like, well, <laughs> just, just say it then. Just give him some respect, which is exactly what everyone's doing at the moment. James, just want to read this out quickly, uh, just shortly before kickoff after the team was announced. Uh, odd team. 
Antonio thing is a disgrace. Club too scared to admit he's got a proper injury because they know they've pulled our pants down by not getting a replacement. Suicidal window yet again. Ben Rama should never be dropped against a team who will sit deep. Oh, well, Koyi. And before I tell you who that was from, uh, shortly after, <laughs> shortly, <laughs> shortly after the uh, the end of the game, Tom's got a big grin on his face already. Uh, big win that, superb again from Moyes. Not the first time I've looked at a team Moyes has picked this season and be confused, but yet again <laughs> he's got it to work. And again for a response to a loss, quality, love it, West Ham. Get in, get in, class today, absolutely class. The boy Ben Rama's a joke. The ability he has is crazy. Fredericks, what a finish. Johnson, Dawson, Lingard, Diop, Cresswell, all of them. Love it, lads. Got Get so far in. It's a joke. Viva Voice Mondays. That was just, uh, <laughs> there were three tweets in a row, the ramblings of uh, Thomas Edwards. So as much as I want your detailed breakdown of the game, uh, do you think we should stage an intervention for Tom? <laughs> no, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm here for his, for his little ramblings. I actually quite look forward to his little bit of ramblings on uh, before and after a game. Yeah. Um, negative or positive, you know, I'm 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 here for all of it. Um, so keep it up, mate. Uh, I particularly enjoyed um, the post match. Just <laughs> like just, it was like it was just it was almost sort of just verbal diarrhea. Any it anything, was, yeah. just, I'm just gonna say say anything and it will be good, and it will show everyone that I'm I'm absolutely instead of just going wow what a win that's a great performance. It was I've got to get every word in. I've got to mention every single player. I've got. To, I, I don't know what I've got to say, but I've got to say it. All of it matters. Um, and all, I know. Yeah, all of it matters, and um, I just need to hammer home the fact that I am a very, very happy man. Um, <laughs> and yeah, continue That's doing it. it, mate. I wish I could. I'm, I don't have the creativity to do it myself, so I just want to make sure that you continue that because um, I look forward to that just as much as I look forward to West Ham, West Ham uh, clips commentary uh, after every game. So, yeah. Um, yeah. James, he just uh, it's it's one of those games. I was sort of saying to my dad afterwards. It's like this is well, I said it last week. I think this is what it feels like or must feel like to support a team who are pretty good, where you get a win, and rather than it being like absolutely mind blowing that your team's won a game of football and you're like holding on to it desperately because you might know it might not happen for another two months. It's like, oh good, yeah, should have won that game. Nice professional performance. Nothing massive to talk about afterwards. No real negatives to speak of the only other talking point which I'll ask you about now Jonesy unless you've got anything other more pressing things you want to get off your chest before we move on to part two and speak to Andy from Hammers United was the Declan Rice Jesse Lingard comical moment but even that like where West Ham in the past you'd have had it brought back memories of Frank Lampard and Paolo Di Canio trying to tear the ball out of each other's hands in a 5-4 win against Bradford you just had Declan Rice going, uh, actually, the manager said I'm on them. Jesse went, all right. And Declan puts it in the bottom corner. It's like, hang on, where's the drama and the fuss here? Where's the bit that should have gone wrong? Like, I don't know. What's, what did you make of, of that, the penalty decision in the first place? And just anything else you want to talk about from the game, James? Because as you know, when West Ham win, I feel a bit uncomfortable because we're not really used to it. Yeah, I, I mean, the whole penalty thing is weird because... So we got that penalty before. I mean, it's sod's law, isn't it? We don't get a penalty all season. We get two in the space of 10 minutes, but only one counts. Um, but Deccan Rice was lining himself up for that first one before. Then there was that really weird offside where the, the, the frames on the on the video were probably incorrect. Um, but 
but then you get the second penalty and then Sonny Lingard's got it and he, he, he seems to think that he's taken it and I just thought it was a little bit strange but it was good you that there wasn't any. you think wouldn't you? You think it's up yeah, there in yeah, the change room. Hang on. Hang on, ten minutes ago, Declan Rice was taking it. So why, why do you think you're taking it now? But yeah, no, it was good to it was good that he kind of backed down. I mean, yeah, go on in, you can have it. And um, to be fair, I was I was very worried when Declan Rice even just had the ball in his hand for the first one, let alone the second. But um, but yeah, what a penalty! Really, really good penalty. Um, so yeah, it's other than that, I think as Tom said, just a really, really good good performance all round. Um, good to see us. Every single player on the pitch. Um, I thought Bowen did well up front. Obviously, Moyes was was very, very um, complimentary of him after. But in particular, I thought Bowen did very, very well up front. Uh, and he played. He's played in that position before, hasn't he? For, I don't know why we didn't think of him before when he was at Hull. Um, I don't know. Why I did, we didn't think. Oh, maybe the reason why I didn't buy a striker was because Jared Bowen could play there. Um, maybe it was a it's a master stroke after all. But. Um, but yeah, good performance. Jesse Lingard was on one, as always. Craig Dawson was a rock at the back, as always. Uh, I mean, can I keep going? I, I, Tom, you're better at this. Yeah. <laughs> who, who you actually, like, when it starts coming, you realise, oh, he was good, he was good, he's all right. Yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you, I think um, Fabianski pulled off a couple of worldies as well, which kept us yeah. in it. Um, see that one up, that come off, it kind of ricocheted off Ben Johnson. Um, and he yeah. saw it late. Um, Goldrick header. Saved, saved us really. Because if they if they if they score that they're back in it because I think it was two it was either one nil or two nil then so um so yeah match saving saves from Fabianski all round good performance so great to see Saeed Ben Rama coming off, come off the bench um, Sorry, and mate. just put putting a world class world class showing off the bench um, like up. he did last <laughs> week at Old Trafford um, bagged his fifth bagged his fifth fifth assist of the season um, so yeah good to see him get come off the bench Lanzini as well on his birthday can't believe he's still only 28 by the way Lanzini I thought he was older than that it seems like he's been around for about 20 years bless him but um, yeah, yeah good, good performance three points he peaked when he was about 21 though didn't he but yeah no exactly that mate that was the time you got any talking points we've got Andy on in a couple of minutes um yeah i'll just leave it to you really anything you do do any other words you want to spit out in no real coherent fashion i typed most of them out last night mate i may as well (laughs) you've run out (laughs) yeah exactly i'm out but the one thing is is on the um penalty i thought we haven't had a pen since june lingard probably wasn't there when they picked the taker he's done a lot of work to win it he probably wants to go. He's probably understand what he's even gone through. I saw people having a bit of a like crack at him saying it was weird he even wanted it. I don't think it is at all. Like shows he wants to score, wants to contribute, bit of responsibility. Like just a misunderstanding, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I thought it was a good sign. If anything, I was obviously when Rice is nicking it off, and I'm thinking, I've, like he's never taken one in his career. What's going to happen? It like, put more like, pressure on it, didn't it? Yeah, 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 exactly. And fair play to him. He, he, that that was a sign of. Again, a sign of like bollocks. He had a char- character to do it and take it off Lingard. He could very easily have caved in, but that's clearly why he's captain at such a young age. Just one quick one. I don't know if either of you thought. I was a bit surprised that Basham, after his hip high karate chop on Lingard, didn't get a red. I know the rule is double jeopardy, and if they make a legitimate play for the ball, then you can't give a penalty and a red, and you can only send them off if it's a deliberate professional foul. I think it was stretching a little bit, wouldn't you say, to say that he was definitely going took for the out. ball? He took him out. Louise yeah, got sent off for, Louise got sent off for accidentally clipping a bloke who literally couldn't score. That was, the Wolves one, you mean? Yeah, and Basham gets... That was not gets, an accident. 
but yeah, I know what you mean. Oh, but like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's a less cynical foul. It's <laughs> yeah. a less cynical foul than that. And he's and he's gone off and Bednarek, wasn't it, in the same weekend or same week for yeah. Southampton, very similar one to Louise, and they both um, saw red. So it's a bit of a joke, that whole rule, because how do you even interpret that as a ref? So it's just what enough of football oversight they need to probably correct. Uh, to be honest, mate, I mean, I've just... Uh, uh, oh, hang on. No, sorry. I have got your tweet. Don't worry. This is another one, James, in between all the other rambles. Uh, Tom Edwards again. T uh, Tom underscore Edwards on Twitter, if anyone wants to follow him. Football rules really are in tatters. Louise gets a red for accidentally clipping the heels of a bloke who had no hope of scoring with his next, next touch, and Basham stays on for cleaning out Lingard in a one-on-one. Jesus wept. <laughs> oh, I was absolutely here for that uh, last week. So, yeah, follow Tom, uh, Tom underscore Edwards, um, and he does the uh, the O in his name as a zero if you want to get some of that goodness in your life. But, lads, look, uh, wrapped up the nice Sheffield United chat there and stay with us because we've got some far more serious stuff to talk about with Andy Byrne, Hammers United, uh, who are still very much GSB out, it appears, despite the form on the pitch. So we'll ask him all about that next. So you are still listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh, Tom Edwards and James Jones. A very upbeat start to the show. There's some enjoyable reaction to Sheffield United and it is very, very strange to do our match review segments with absolutely nothing to moan about. It makes me feel very uncomfortable uh, hosting this show when it's not just me and James with our head in our hands going, why the hell do we put ourselves through this every single week but i'm delighted to say that to talk some more serious stuff than uh declan rice and jesse lingard arguing over a penalty is andy byrne spokesman for hammers united Andy, it's great to have you with us thanks for joining us but lots to talk about tonight for your first time on the show which is great so first of all uh, great to have you with us. And if you just tell everyone who, who's listening at home who might not know who Hammers United are, what you do and what you stand for, uh, what can you tell us about that, first of all? Oh, thanks very much for having me on, mate. It's a, it's a pleasure to come on. Um, Hammers United is an independent supporters association um, and we stand for one simple thing, really, which is to improve things for all West Ham United supporters. Are you the, are you the biggest one, Andy? Am I right in saying that with the most members? Yes, we are. Yeah, we've, we're approaching 18,000 members now. Okay, so for those of you who don't know, uh, your chairman is Paul Colborne, am I right? Who, uh, again, for anyone who doesn't know, is the, the guy who, uh, for the infamous Burnley game, was the uh, made the stand in the middle of the pitch with um, the corner flag in the centre circle. Paul feels very strongly about the, the board in particular and West Ham and the direction the club has been going, as you know, thousands of other fans uh, do across across the, the spectrum. So just um, on that, Andy, the, the first thing um, as far as Hammers United go, the main reason we've got you on tonight is to chat about the survey results. You've surveyed um, in excess, correct me if I'm wrong at any point, though, in excess of 5,000 West Ham fans, I believe, answered your um, survey about the direction they want to go uh, forward, the club to go forward in a myriad of different issues. Yeah, Andy, looking forward. So when, when we all get back and we're all back in the stadium and we're, we're back out there and, it, and it's business as usual, we spoke to a Newcastle fan a couple of months 
go talking about the fact that West Ham and Newcastle fan groups were going to join together and do kind of a joint protest against the owners, against Mike Ashley and GSB as a pairing. And I was wondering, going forward, what are your sort of plans to, to put this message across? Because looking at the survey and everything, obviously we all know I'm GSB out, a lot majority of fans are, and we all want it. But how are we going to get that message across the way in which it best represents us and it best it gets us the best deal? How are you looking to do that? Is it things like joining up with Newcastle with anything in the pipe work or... How are you guys looking at it now? I know it's a long way away and we've got a plan for the pandemic and everything, but but what are the next steps? We think it's protest, but we also think it's protest that's done in a certain way. Um, so protest whereby what will happen off the back of it is the messaging that you want to be pushed will be pushed, not the messaging about incident that might have occurred on the protest itself, which is quite ironic when we look at... Um, what, what Will said at the start of the conversation, which is who our chairman is. And you look at the, um, so you, if you take that Burnley protest for an example, the messaging that got pushed off the back of that Burnley protest was all around, that was all around negativity directed towards West Ham fans and Paul and everyone who congregated in front of the directors and the mystery coins that were thrown and the, you know, and, and, the only the only thing really that that protest achieved um, in inverted commas was destruction across our you know across our fan base and people being destructive towards our fan base from the outside so we've been really kind of conscious of that when we've planned previous protests and also when we are now planning future protests to make sure that we always follow the same kind of principle, if you like. Now, I know it's not a specific answer for you in terms of like, what are we actually going to do? But what I'm saying is that the plans that we have are underpinned by the principle that we want it to be things that will capture people's attention, but not something where the attention is captured for the wrong reasons. Something where people will look at the protest and say, wow, this is being backed in a really, um, you know, sure way by a lot of people, let's find out what it's about, rather than, wow, this was an absolute, like, you know, there's, you know, all these arrests and violence and all, right, that's a story that I want to write. So, um, so yeah, we, we have kind of, we have plenty in the pipeline. And um, this, this whole COVID situation has been, as it has for everyone, a really strange one for Hammers United, because we felt that um, when, you know, when our protests were cut off by COVID, COVID, we were we were really gathering momentum. You know, we had about two thousand at the first one and about eight and a half thousand at the second one. We were convinced we would have got over ten thousand at, at, at the third one. But looking back, it's um, it's really interesting how that momentum has continued without physical protests. You look at things like the sale of Grady D and Garner, for example, and how momentum kind of kind of continued over social media. Um, and it's also been really interesting in terms of us as a group, the, the breathing space that that has given us from becoming um, indulged in only protest. Because I'll be honest, around the time when we decided to get involved in protest, we couldn't really do much else. Like planning those protests was, uh, it, it was like a full-time job. And so what that does is it detracts from anything else that you're doing as a supporter group. And so... Whilst we were really frustrated that, um, you know, we, we had that 
that kind of pause button placed on our momentum. It's been interesting for us as a group to spend a lot of time carefully planning what we do next, reflecting on you know what we've done so far, doing things like the survey to check that we are along the right lines, and you know working on this independent supporters committee in the background as well. Andy, just quickly, I, you, when you you're saying about it, there, I agree with you. At, at first, I think that Burnley protest was just that was just an explosion of anger. But I feel like what you know, and I, again, that's good. That's like you said, it's going to happen. You're going to have the and the scenes where it was a it was an angry atmosphere that day, understandably. And I think, in a strange way, in in life, in any walk of life, there are consequences for actions, aren't there? And I think that was that was a bit of a consequence for the way that fans are treated that those scenes the first ones the burnley ones don't come from nowhere do they everyone no one could sit there and go oh oh what what are these blokes what's these blokes problem oh why are they getting all angry no one could do that everyone yeah. knew where it come from if you look at paul if you look at paul as a um as a microcosm of like perhaps how people were feeling that day and the, and, and the change that can occur in someone i think the reason he ran on the pitch that day was because he felt so frustrated that he wasn't able to have his voice heard and he wasn't able to be part of anything. And if you look at him now, um, I mean, obviously, you know, you, you guys won't know this, but he's um, in the background for Hammers United, he's very um, measured and calm. And he's very much like a leadership figure for us in terms of our committee meetings and our strategy and our, you know, do you know what I mean? He's now, he's now channeling that same um, emotion and feelings and frustration in a completely different way because he feels like he's actually part of something. Well, that's mm. exactly what I was just going to say to you was that I feel that the two protests that went on and you mentioned the last one is eight and a half thousand. I the club query that figure, but whatever, whatever, if you're an uh, 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 impartial uh, viewer of those scenes it doesn't matter if you hammers united say eight and a half and west ham want to say it was two and a half either way it doesn't matter when you see the images that are in the newspapers and on the television of thousands of people whether it's two or seven whichever one as a bipartisan you wanted to believe it doesn't matter when you watch your match of the day and there is a block of thousands of west ham fans peacefully walking down the greenway my personal opinion is that is the most uh, the imagery of that hammers home the point. Any of the other external details around it don't matter. It's the video footage on match of the day or in the newspapers of blocks of thousands of West Ham fans with banners and all that. And I think the what what Hammers United seem to have done is they have exactly what you said has happened to Paul. You seem to have channeled the anger that came in Burnley and said to everyone, right, we can't just do that every week because that plays into the hands of the people that your group is trying to protest against. And it's channeled it into a way where everyone was fine doing peaceful protests, weren't they? No one was, well, I don't know, you would know better than me, but you had no trouble at those. And out of that, however many thousands of people were there, that is an impressive feat. We have to we have to listen to opinions, but we we, we are quite kind of confident in ourselves that, doing it in the right way um, in the long run will really help, you know, the, the messaging get out there. And I think the key messaging that, that we need really is how unhappy West Ham fans are, how much West Ham fans want new ownership. And really off the back of that, how much of a prospect our club would actually be for somebody 
who was willing to work with supporters, the things that the things that can be fixed are not unfixable, you know, um, and you, you could have uh, you, you could have a, a genuine big club at West Ham. You really could. Andy, in terms of things which are probably fixable, the stadium to some degree is one of them. And obviously in your surveys and a lot of what you guys have done based around the stadium, what have you guys in the committee or what do you think needs to be done to take it to the next level and make it actually more of our home? Is it internal things, external things without within the infrastructure of it or is it the surrounding area? What have you guys been trying to put a focus on looking at the stadium in particular? We asked, yeah, we asked a few questions on that on our survey, actually, a few things about the stadium. And there was a few interesting points that came up. So I think you can split it into things that could be done in the short term to, if you want, um, to, to patch it up, you know, to make it a slightly better experience for people. Um, so one of the things that came out really strongly was if you did have some local businesses and local sellers allowed on the island on the way to the, the way to the stadium, it would make people's match day experience better than having, um, if you like, the Heineken bar or the Cornish pasty or whatever, you know, the the the, the chain sellers. So um, there are there are things that fall into that category, which which can be done with the current stadium. And there's there's a number of those things. So it might be particular sections within the ground whereby you've got, uh, you know, obviously safe standing is not legal at the minute, but perhaps you've got um, you've got rail seating and you've got a section that is dedicated for people who want a certain type of experience. Perhaps you could, um, you know, West Ham could employ their own stewards like they did at the bowling grounds. Um, you could, you can do kind of, I'll say tighten up of the stadium. Do you know what I mean? And you can, you can have as much of your history as you possibly can represented. You can bring some of those things out of storage that, that are uh, in storage that were, were kind of kept from the, um, from, from the bowling grounds. So there are things you can do, but I think, I think fundamentally the issue that we have is that the, the the football stadium is not fit for purpose. It's not a football stadium. And so I think long term, and we do have people looking into this as well. Long term, we as a club, I think one way or another, we are going to be in a position where we either need a serious restructuring of that of the stadium that we don't even own or a new stadium. And I think that has got to be something that any potential investor understands they may have to make a decision on at some point you know i read an i read an article today from 2007 actually about um the icelandics going to look for um uh, the new site up at the um up at the postal mm. place by west ham station and i think um I, I just don't think in the long term now i don't know how long i'm talking here i don't know if i'm talking 5 10 20 30 40 years i just don't think it's viable for us to be playing at a rented athletic stadium indefinitely a stadium is so crucial isn't it it's your home essentially and it's where people where people go to to enjoy their, their day out and it needs a complete overhaul i think if it's going to be um if it's going to be anything like what we had at upton park so you're still listening to the we are west Ham podcast with me will Pugh, tom edwards and james jones we're delighted to say we've got andy Burn from Hammers United with us. Already asked him loads of questions. Got some great insight onto uh, what the group are up to already. So, Andy, look, I just want to um, I just want to wrap up that one because obviously we got uh, caught up in tangents. It's brilliant having you on with us to let our listeners know 
what you're up to and, and how the ground lies as far as your group is concerned. Um, just want to, on the GSB out stance, so um, for anyone who may have been in doubt before um, through uh, about the GSB out stance or whatever, that is still very much Hammers United's stance and that is led by, by your members. Uh, I know we're going to ask you about the survey results in a little bit, but just as far as the GSB out goes what if you can like sum up that for us is that an immovable position for i know it seems extremely unlikely now but i ask for the uh, purpose of balance if because we're obviously having a good season this season if gold sullivan and brady decide started to deliver on those promises that um that i feel are currently not being fulfilled i and many others i'd add sorry thousands of others feel are not being fulfilled uh, having moved to the stadium, but we're having a brilliant season so far. David Moyes looks like a long-term option. Would you give them a chance or what would that have to look like first? Is that GSB out stance immovable from Hammers United? Well, I think the first thing to, to clarify, mate, is exactly what you said at the start, which is that that is our stance um, and that is led by our members. Um, in, in terms of if it's immovable, I think you, you, you're asking for an opinion. So I can give you my opinion. Um, my opinion is that I... I I would never change your mind, <laughs> no matter what any you know, no matter what happened. Me, me personally, I'm uh, I'm firmly set up in that in that camp, and I, I won't be leaving it for anything. And you know, the the survey results were very clear, and it seems a lot of people are um, a lot of people are quite firmly GSB out. Um, there are questions that come with that, so you've got the you know different degrees of that stance. Certain people would say, well, what do we do then if they do leave, or you know, what if they do this? But um, if, if I'm going to kind of make, take, to make an inference, I guess, from, from those survey results, I, I think, and it's, and again, I'm speaking personally here, really, I think the situation is one where we have lost trust for a group of people. And I, I'm personally of the opinion that once you lose trust for somebody, you can't get that trust back. Um, I actually think that, you know, looking at an endless act, an endless list of things of decisions that they have taken at this club not nobody nobody will convince me that those decisions were taken with the best interests of supporters at the heart of them nobody will convince me of that no matter what they say take any decision you want the smallest decision to the biggest you know the, the smallest being um the fact that you have to pay 10 pound for it to go on the waiting list yet you can phone your mate up and, and they can buy you a season ticket Nobody will convince me that that was an accident. I, you know, I'm firmly of the belief that they told us there were 50,000 people on the waiting list to make us all, you know, pay ten pounds to go onto this mystery waiting list. And and you know, once that trust is gone, any decision that they make in the future, I'm I'm, I'm you know I'm going to approach it in the same way. Whether our membership will ever change their mind. Um, is a is a slightly different question and one I guess I can't answer. But um, if our membership did change their mind, of course we as a group would adopt the position that our membership would want us to adopt. Yeah, but that just might mean that you have to leave Hammers United. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Again, I don't feel like I had much choice in leaving Upton Park. I don't really remember being part of much of a democratic process about whether or not we had a choice to or not. It was you are leaving. And to soften the blow, we'll, you know, we'll assure you the football's better. It is at the moment, but I find it a little bit difficult when people 
and go, oh, you're fourth, what you're moaning about. I'm like, well, yeah, we're fourth for now, but in there's every chance that in, you know, the Mikel Antonio thing, I still think that on its own, it, we were chatting about it on the podcast last week, saying it's difficult to moan at those times, but ultimately it still was worth moaning about the fact we hadn't bought a striker because although we're doing well on the pitch at the moment, a, a, a normal Premier League club with European ambitions if they haven't got any fit strikers, buys a striker in January. Chelsea, even Everton, mm. they got like Richarlison, Calvert-Lewin. We've been over this ground before us, like anyway. But um, I think, I would I think, think we're mine, really mine isn't just on the pitch. To it. it just doesn't I, I feel sustainable. Think, That's what I mean. Sorry, mate. Go on. I, I was going to say just quickly, I think we as West Ham fans are realising there is more to it. And even if we were top of the league, I think we'd still be looking at our ground and saying, I can't believe this is where we're playing. I honestly, I don't think I would, to be honest. If we were winning the, the league and, or not winning the league, but even if we were doing what we're doing at the moment and I felt it was sustainable and we'd gone out and gone again in January, rather, this just feels like, it just feels like, oh, everything's actually clicked. But it does feel like, but next season we'll drop back down to 10th. It doesn't feel sustainable for me at the moment. But let, let, uh, lads, you interrupt me like you, you should, <laughs> should be good at this by now. One of you go, go on. Yeah, Andy. Um... The survey results uh, are interesting, to say the least. Um, just a, a couple of questions for me. I suppose, firstly, it'd be good to sort of get you to sort of sum up sort of three key key findings from, from those results. But I noticed that you had the, the, the first um, ISC meeting with the club, um, was it last week? Um, mm-hmm. Just wondering whether you're in a position to sort of comment on whether the club have actually responded to the survey results if they've seen them um, and what their thoughts are on it because it's I mean it's pretty damning yeah of course yeah I can I can talk about that and I can talk about um kind of a brief summary from from our point of view as well so I guess um key points from from our point of view to try and go through them very quickly is that there is a is a stark difference between how people feel about the football and the off the pitch stuff so um you know on one side you've got a phenomenally like positive slant, if you want, towards feelings in terms of people are feeling great about the football. And then you've got the next slide showing how opposite feelings are when it comes to everything else about the running of the club. So I guess that was the kind of the first thing, which is the overall sentiment. Then you've got um, what people want their short term priorities to be. Um, and we we provided a whole load of whole list of things and people could only select three. So you couldn't just go in and say, right, I'm going to click for the owners out and then I'm going to click all the others that I want. So, you, you know, if you genuinely wanted the owners out, you had to make that one of your one of your things on the list. Um, there's two things that we take from that. Firstly, every single thing on the list got some traction, which means there must be people out there who are putting those things in their top three. So Can you let us know them, what the options were, Andy, for anyone listening who hasn't seen the survey? Things on that list the, the three that got the most traction or the three that were most popular, a campaign for new ownership was number one. And that was number one in the overall results, Hammers United members and across other FSA affiliated groups, because people could identify in the survey as to whether they were a member of a West Ham United affiliated group or indeed Hammers United, or indeed um, they weren't a member of any. So FSA is just for, that's a Football Supporters Association. Yeah, uh, Football Supporters Association. Cool. Yeah. So you have a campaign for change in ownership top, 
Then you have the look and feel of the London Stadium. And then very closely linked to that, you have bringing more local businesses and sellers to the London Stadium. And then you've got a list of eight others, which all which were all kind of fairly similar in terms of um, their level of priority. So a consultation over the crest, transparency of away tickets, affordable match uh, mascot packages, subsidised travel for away, um, for away supporters, process for relocating your seat, your season ticket, transparency of the waiting list, the upkeep of the memorial gardens and improving the stewarding at the London Stadium. And so so there, if you like, you've got a list of things which are achievable. So they're things that in the short term, the, the ISC could ask the club about and they could be achieved and people see them, people across the fan base in different numbers and to different degrees, see those things as priorities for themselves. And so I guess that leads into kind of the question about the, the ISC. Um, what we wanted to do as Hammers United in the first instance, so to give you a, a very brief overview, you have um, various different FSA affiliate groups coming together to create a, um, a supporters committee. And that committee has created a memorandum of understanding, which is to all intents and purposes, an agreement so that mm -hmm. that committee can engage in dialogue with the club. We had Sue Watson from WHU ISA on a couple of weeks ago, so it gave us yes. a little bit of a Yeah, I had listened the... to that. It was a really good breakdown of how it, of how it all works. Um, and so the ISC met independently to say, right, okay, what do we want on the agenda for the first meeting? Different groups had different things to bring up, and Hammers United had as our question, um, we simply went into the meeting to ask, what does the club see as the priorities for addressing the dissatisfaction that exists across the supporter base. So we simply went in to ask that as an open question to get an understanding of what the, the, the club priorities would be, rather than, I guess, going in and kind of placing our priorities on the table and saying, look, this is what we think people want. You know, we wanted to go in and, and ask that question and find out where they were coming from. What was is, the answer um, to that, Andy? Do you, can you divulge that? Um, <laughs> There will be, okay, so there's a couple of things to say on this. Yes, yes, I can divulge it. I mean, we are an independent supporters group. We don't have to, we don't have to keep anything secret. Um, there will be full minutes coming out where people can read the full conversation that took place. But essentially the answer to that in a nutshell was that they're not ready to comment on that yet. Okay. Um, and part of the reason for, for not being ready to have that conversation yet is that they haven't carried out a full analysis of their survey. Um, and they would like to have a full analysis of their survey done before they enter into that conversation. Um, the the rep who was in there for Hammers United did, um, you know, you will see this play out in the minutes. He did kind of kind of re ask and try to try to ask in a different way and try to try to essentially see if an if an opinion could be offered. Um, but essentially, at this moment in time, it was we we're not ready to to have that conversation because we don't have the data that we need to have that conversation. So take from that what you will. Um, Andy, looking um, looking well ahead, potentially, who knows when, but should we get new owners, which is obviously what Hammers United wants, what's the majority of your survey have asked for, and probably what majority of fans want. But what would you want, firstly, from perspective owner? Because we've seen that not every owner out there is, is reliable and dependent when a lot of clubs have, have had bad end of a stick when they've sold clubs. So we've got to bear in mind that we aren't just going to sell this and suddenly get someone in there who's going to have the best interest of the club at the heart. Much like these guys, I'm not saying they do either, but it might not necessarily be better. So what is it for you, firstly, which should assure you that they are the right owners for us? And secondly, what 
can they do is the first few steps sort of thing to propel the club forward to the level that these owners haven't been able to do so what would you say on those two things um it's a, a critical issue mate it's like it's, it's the one thing that we get asked the most i would say is we don't there aren't that many supporters who will say they want gold sullivan and brady to stay but there are supporters who in the same breath as saying we will want them to leave will finish that sentence by saying ah but we don't know what we're going to get afterwards. And so perhaps, you know, and so, you know, it it is the biggest question for our group. And I I think there are two answers to it. Well, there are three, because one of them is a very short answer, which is it's a gamble and you basically need someone you can trust. and There's nothing we can do about that. Um, (laughs) So there are, there are two, there are two answers to it from, from our perspective as a group. Um, One is that we would like, or, or we would hope that prospective owners would take, some interest in the club that they're about to buy and in the interest that they take in the club that they're about to buy we would hope that they would see a supporters group who are well organized and who have some underlying principles that they think they could work on in the long term with whoever these prospective owners might be so the role that hammers united play in that is making sure that these principles are you know are based on the survey they're well designed they're they're kind of forward thinking they are they are fixes if you like they are they're not just specific they're kind of long term and we you know we we would hope in the first instance that a prospective owner would see that and think all right okay so i know that if i go to this club these are the kind of things that those supporters want so i know that if i'm to succeed at this club then they've you know there's almost like a blueprint there for me and I can see that the supporters group is well organized. And I can see that if I work with them, I might be able to succeed. So that's kind of the first thing is portraying ourselves and portraying the work that we do in such a way that a, a prospective owner would be interested in it. And then I think the second thing is perhaps once an owner is on board, if they are willing to work closely with you, you you've got to, you've got to not, not get them, but you, you've got to make sure that they understand that, um, a, a, a prosperous relationship with supporters is in the cold light of day, a prosperous bank balance for an owner. You know, you can, um, you can levy the interest and the emotional connection of supporters in the right way, not in the way that Gold Brady and Sullivan have tried to do it, but you can levy that in the right way, get people on board, make it all about the supporter experience and actually have part of your brand that you sell your club on part of your brand can be supporter experience so part one is you know advertising to the owner what we're about and making sure that a prospective owner knows before they buy what will make fans happy but part two is 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 working with them to say if you make these decisions if you base the thing if you base the supporter experience on this that the other that the supporters want your brand will be stronger and you look at clubs like Dortmund, Liverpool, etc., who part of their branding is their connection with supporters. Hopefully the owner is, you know, as the business person that they are, will understand that ends up in more pounds in their pocket at the end of the day. You know, great. Well, people, that we, people, you know, sorry, mate, people won't be spending that, about <laughs> 25 grand a day at M&M Direct as soon as cheap shirts come out for 15 quid. Or no, exactly, you know, and it's... um. It's it's something that is puzzling, I think, and this is the whole problem with football ownership for me, 
it's puzzling at first because the owner will quite rightly turn around and say, I'll do whatever I want and people will still come and buy tickets. But to a certain point, you can't. And, you know, like we're, we're getting into the realms now at West Ham where you can't actually do whatever you want. You do have to look after your customers like you would do in any other business. And I think football owners that understand that. And don't call them customers, innit? <laughs> if you're well, Karen Brady. Yeah, you know <laughs> yeah, but you've got to be, you've got to be um, pragmatic about it. And you've got to understand that we live in a, in a capitalist society and one where the Premier League is awash with billions of pounds and you're not going to get, you can't get a supporters, you know, committee taking over the club or you can't get a genuine fan coming in with a couple of million pounds to take over. You're going to need a, a, a ridiculously rich person to come in and to see it as a business venture. Yeah, Ray Winston and uh, Russell Brand pulling all their cash together is not quite going to cut it, I don't think. <laughs> well, Andy, like I said, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, we'll have to let you go now so James Jones can tell me off for talking over him and keep jabbering on for too long. But it's been absolutely brilliant uh, joining you, Andy. And like I say, I do hope it's not the last time, whatever... Um, you know, any uh, any updates for future surveys, things that happen, we're really interested. I know our listeners are, as well as thousands of uh, of West Ham fans, both in the UK and, and around the world, who, who download this podcast every week. And, uh, you know, and it's great to for, for them to be out here directly from you, what's going on. So uh, do keep in touch with us um, in, in future. I hope to have you on again. Uh, that's Andy Byrne there, spokesperson for Hammers United. And stay with us because we've got the commentator from West Ham Clips for the Betway Charity Bet section next. So delighted to say we are joined by the infamous commentator from the West Ham Clips Twitter. Any of you who've listened to the alternative commentaries uh, online, they're an absolute social media sensation. Uh, delighted to say that we are joined by the commentator, the mastermind behind the Czech Patrick Vieira, the Blue Passport, Beckenbauer, uh, what's, what, any of the other ones, Basmati, Billy Bonds, all of those on there. And of course, owner of the late Tibbles and the new cat, Le Tible. So firstly, how are you? What have you made of West Ham's season so far? And it looks like we might have actually avoided relegation. Saw that on your last video. You're celebrating that we've reached or gone past that magic 40 points park. Obviously, we had our annual cup exit against Manchester United last week. So what have you made of all that? Hello there. How is everyone doing? Thank you for having me on. Obviously it was disappointing to go out of the cup, but the job David Moyes is doing is nothing short of sensational. If you would have told me after our loss against Newcastle that after 24 games we'd be pretty much mathematically safe, fourth in the league, two points above Liverpool, six above Spurs and eight above Arsenal, I would have said ha 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 If you would have told me we'd sign Craig Dawson and he'd be the best defender in the league I would have said ha 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 And if you would have told me David Moyes would probably be manager of the season I would have said and after you told me all of this, if you would have told me that the vast majority of fans would still want GSB out, then I would have said, yeah, probably. Remarkable work by David Moyes. It's a true testament to him and his staff. He's proven everyone wrong. West Ham Clips, how is Le Tibble doing? Are you coping okay after the sad loss of Tibbles? Well, with Tibbles I can honestly say, oh four, please excuse me one moment. What have I told you about manoeuvring out of your shoebox? <laughs> Sorry about that. Obviously Tibbles was a big, big loss, so tragic, and accidental, definitely accidental, and I couldn't emphasize that fact anymore. It was a real shame, but on the same day, miraculously another cat found its way to me, and to be honest, not much has changed, but one thing is for sure, Le Tibble is loving life here. Oh shut up. 
Hello, mate. Uh, what did you make of the game uh, yesterday against Sheffield United? We put in a very good performance, I think. Bowen Lanzini and Jesse Lingard linked up very well. And whilst Fabianski had to pull off a few crucial saves, we didn't look like we were missing Ogbonna at the back. All three substitutes came off the bench and made an impact on the game. Moyes is going to have a real problem picking a starting 11 against Spurs, and that's before you consider we still have Mikhail Antonio to return. <laughs> uh, Mikhail Antonio went off against Fulham after holding his hamstring. It also looks like Andre Yarmolenko is out for the rest of the season. Our complete lack of striker came back to haunt us at Old Trafford. Uh, obviously, we did all right without one at Sheffield or against Sheffield United. So I'm intrigued to hear your thoughts on uh, West Ham's January transfer activity and who's going to score our goals going forward. Regardless of what you thought of Allaire, I think it's craziness we sold him right at the start of the window without a replacement lined up. However, I think you have to back your manager. I'm 1000% sure he would have wanted to bring a striker in, but if we brought one in that Moyes didn't want, we'd have the Allaire situation all over again. I'd much rather Moyes not sign a striker than let Sullivan sign one for him. At the moment it's going alright so let's see what happens. Regardless of who's up front we still have a good defence and we're a threat from set pieces, which will be enough to win us a couple of games from now till the end of the season. What is it about West Ham hitting the, the woodwork so much this season and, and, and how do you expect the Tibble to last if we keep doing it? You know, I'm not sure why we hit the woodwork so much, but I'll be honest, I don't know how long that poor sod has left. Letible's days could be numbered any day now. You know, sometimes I'll be lying in bed, probably having some really cool dream then boom, and again, and again, and again, and again, and again, 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 and I don't know how much Letible can go on like this. I think I probably need to see someone about this. It's a tough one, this, considering how well we've done this season, but who do you think would you say your top three players are this season and your nomination for the biggest clan of the campaign? Good question. Top three players? Well, Craig Dawson would probably be in there, but he's only started nine games in the league. I'll go for Thomas Suchek, Declan Rice, and you can toss a coin over Angelo Ogbonna and Aaron Cresswell. Genuinely can't decide. As for clown of the campaign, it'll be so easy to give it to Mike Dean, but I won't. Instead, I'll give it to Jose Mourinho. Even if they beat us on Sunday, we'd still be three points above them. But it's not for that. It's for bottling a 3-0 lead with eight minutes to go. If you'll excuse me for one minute. <laughs> Well, they are wonderful answers. But finally, look, thanks for joining us. Uh, the real reason you're here, of course, is to try and win us some money for our Betway charity bets for Tottenham at home on Sunday, the 21st of February. So what is your three selection Betway bet? You'll be playing for me this week for the Bobby Moore Fund. Uh, so just let us know what your bet is for the Tottenham game. Right. Get ready to print some money. Although if anyone listening to this takes my advice and it doesn't come off, no, I'm not responsible for your huge financial debt and your inevitable divorce. Right. My charity bet will be Aaron Cresswell to be booked, both teams to score, and over 7.5 corners. Well, that is absolutely great there. West, the commentator from West Ham Clips. What a guest that is for the Betway charity bet. Thanks so much for giving your time on this, mate. Thank you for having me on. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Come on, you irons. James and Tom, what are you saying for your charity bets this week? Obviously, brilliant to have the, the commentator on there from the West Ham Clips videos. Uh, just wondering, Jonesy, lads, which one of you wants to go first? What your bets are as you try and win some money for your charities this week? I'm happy to go. Um, go on then, Jonesy. It's going to be a, a tough game, I think. I know Spurs are a little bit... A little bit dodgy at the moment, obviously under Mourinho and he's having his, his usual meltdown, but I've got us down for a draw. Um, both teams to score though, uh, and over four and a half corners. Over four and a half corners, not bad, not bad. Tom? 
I'm going to go West Ham to win under 2.5 goals over five and a half corners. I just think, like JJ said, I think it's going to be tough, tough aim. But I think we might just nick it. I think we might just nick it at a very death or something. Yeah, I'm, I'm really nervous. I know they're not playing well and we are. I'm a little bit nervous. I'm glad I don't have to make any selections myself this week. We're all pretty close with Sheffield United, lads. We all went West Ham to win, which they did. I had West Ham to win and West Ham to keep a clean sheet, but we all missed out on the goal scorers. I had Suchek. Um, I think one of you, Tom, obviously had Ben Rama even though he was world-class for six minutes when he came on, didn't quite <laughs> get on the score sheet. Jonesy, was yours Jared Bowen? No, mine was Jesse Lingard, so I was, Jesse I, was, Lingard. I, was, I was desperate for him to take that penalty, but Deck and Rice wrestled it off him. Yeah, absolutely. Well, no wins for me and the lads this week, but hopefully James and Tom or the uh, commentator from West Ham clips on Twitter can uh, win some money on my behalf this week. For those of you uh, who might be first-time listeners who don't already know, me, Tom and James are thanks to a £50 charity stake each that we get from Betway to put on every single West Ham game a three selection bet we pick and any winnings from any of those bets go towards our charities I'm playing for the Bobby Moore Fund James is playing for the DT38 Dylan Tombides Foundation and Tom for Isla's fight so we've got a few thousand quid in the kitty already which is great stuff and fingers crossed we can add to that fund this week just remember you can back any of those bets even mine Tom's or James is on the Betway website or and app uh, in the lead up to the game this week. It will be available around Friday. Just go to the pre-built bet section on Betway if you want to back the We Are West Ham bets on there. So that is that for the Betway charity bet section. What a guest, lads. That is brilliant. And next up, we've got Alex Milne, sports journalist from the Daily Mirror and Tottenham fan for our opposition view. So you are still listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh, Tom Edwards and James Jones and the commentator from the infamous West Ham Clips alternative commentary on Twitter there, joining us to make his selections ahead of the Tottenham game, the London derby, the one that all the Spurs fans pretend they don't care about, but we all know that they do really, judging by the abuse that they tuck into West Ham fans with on Twitter after said game. Sunday the 21st of February, 12 noon kickoff i'm delighted to say that joining us on the we are west Ham podcast again returning guest alex milne sports journalist from the mirror and a tottenham fan for his sins alex great to have you back with us again and normally going into a west Ham tottenham game one of the teams ninth in the league one of the teams fourth one of the teams having lost four premier league games from their last five and the other team having won three and drawn one we're used to that sort of thing. The only thing is it's normally that we're the other way round. Tottenham ninth at the moment. I've seen a couple of your meltdowns on Twitter about Spurs. What do you feel more annoyed about? Tottenham's position in the table or West Ham's guaranteed qualification for next season's Champions League? Oh, what a beautiful introduction. Cheers, Pew. Um, I can safely say this is probably the Spurs-West Ham game I've least looked forward to over the years. And I've got, just going into the weekend with a, a sense of dread, despair, despondency. Um, and I can see from the grin in your face that you feel quite differently. Um, no, no, I've got to give you boys credit. I was just thinking how quickly things have turned around from, even back towards Christmas, we were sort of still fighting near the top. I don't think anyone thought we had a, 
a chance of a title or anything, but we were everyone still... did. No, we didn't. Not everyone was saying it. Um, but anyway, things were looking good. You know, obviously the football wasn't great, but we were still at least you know in and amongst the, the top four, or whatever. West Ham, you're having another one of your boring mid-table seasons, maybe battling against a relegation dogfight. And now I just don't know what's going on. It's all quite depressing, isn't it? <laughs> Alex, where, where has it gone wrong? Everyone's pointing their fingers at, at Mourinho. Um, but surely there's there's more to it. it. It can't just be Mourinho being being Mourinho. Or, or is it? Or no, is it? I think... I think if you've seen Spurs, even from from the end of, um, or sorry, the start of last season, towards the end of the Pochettino area, this is the thing. Everyone's pointing the finger at Mourinho, but we haven't played well for a long, long time, really. And I think right now it's just a culmination of a lot of things coming together. I don't think Mourinho is helping the situation, but I mean, it, anyone could tell you our, our back line is just atrocious. You look across the at anyone, you could look at Lloris, you could look at. Dyer, Alvaro, none of them are good enough anymore. And I think that's where the, the crux of the matter lies. We saw it in the FA Cup game against Everton where finally Mourinho kind of let the shackles off and let, um, let us have a bit of a go and a bit of a tack and we shipped five goals. I mean, it's just, I think that's where we've got to start rebuilding. We know that Mourinho is a defensive manager, but we've got a team that cannot defend. So um, I'm slightly worried about how we're going to deal with the likes of, you know, Ben Rama, Suchek, I think Antonio will be back, I presume, for the weekend. He always scores against Spurs. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a complete mix. There's a maelstrom of things going on at the moment for the club. And, uh, yeah, I kind of want the season to be over now. But who knows? You know, this season, things can change around so quickly. A nice London derby win, and then maybe we'll be, things will be looking good again. But we'll see. Alex, one of the things which which has been business as usual is Harry Kane. His performances, he's been pretty much unbelievable again he, he's put up the same numbers as he always does i know he's had a few injuries but looking forward how long can you expect to keep him because he is probably the top two or three strikers in world football has been for two or three years now in terms of his numbers in every every metric you look at it and i know he just became the second top goal scorer at the club and all that but surely he he would want trophies now and i know you got the league cup final and all that but Surely he's aiming higher. How how what's it like in the Tottenham camp? How long do you think that you can keep him? And does he does he want to stay there long term? I think it's a very difficult one. I think as you saw in the um, in the Amazon documentary when Mourinho first came, he genuinely on board with the idea. You know, Mourinho gave him a pep talk and said, well, "You're going to explode under me." And to a certain degree, he has. I mean, his stats, as you've as you've touched on, have been sensational. His partnership with Son's been amazing, um, and I. In a way, I think he will want to stay, as you said, to break those records. He's so close to becoming, you know, top top scorer for Spurs. He's, there's a high, very good chance he could go on and break Alan Shearer's record. We know he loves stuff like stats. Um, and I mean, I don't know about you, I can't imagine him going to Real Madrid, Barcelona. I just can't see him going to Spain, which leaves the question of who could afford him in England. You could argue City, United, but it would take a hell of a transfer fee and in these, in these times. I'm not sure if I can see it. So I think... If there was a suitable option on the table, he'd definitely consider it. But I just cannot see where that offer is going to come from and who could realistically afford him. Um, does he want to stay? I, I honestly don't know. If I was him right now, I'd be getting fed up because I'd be thinking, look, you've promised me trophies, you've promised me progression. I've not seen it. It's not like he's not been loyal. He's been there years and years and season after season, there's been links and he's stayed. But yeah, it's, it's, it's slightly worrying. But I, for reasons I've just said, I still think he'll be here next season. 
Yeah, I, th- I think that's what it is. You, I, I could only really see him going to Man United. I don't think he suits um, Liverpool, Manchester City as such, his style of play. Um, yeah, and we're, I could see United pulling it out of the bag, to be honest. But um, another man who's come in this season, I remember reading an article or two of yours, and not just yours, to be fair, journalists across the spectrum writing about the homecoming of Gareth Bale and the Welsh wizard returns, etc., etc., etc. It really hasn't turned out uh, very well for him at all. Mourinho has been critical publicly and privately of the winger. Deli Ali's having a bit of a stinker of it at the moment. What do you make of those two players, their situation? Again, same question as was asked earlier. Is it Jose or, or the players? That seems to be splitting the football world and all the pundits at the moment, whose fault it is. Where do you point the finger of blame with uh, their two situations? Oh, the Bale one is the one that most um, I'm most baffled with. Ali, we saw, kind of was regressing. And I think, to be honest, he could do something like, as we've seen with Lingard, he just needs a fresh start, a little loan away, uh, maybe an opportunity to rediscover his very best form. The Bale one, I again, I, without sitting on the fence, I think it's a bit of a 50-50 situation here because he does need to be starting week in, week out. And I think when he gets... 10, 15 minutes off the bench now again. It's not He's not the sort of player who can come on and make an impression. He needs to start, I don't know, two, three, four consecutive games to get into the swing of things. On the other hand, we have there have been you know rumours that he's not been putting the effort in, that he's kind of treating it as a bit of a holiday, um, that you know if he's got a slight little problem, he won't battle through that and he'll get all worried and go to the medical staff. We saw a situation last weekend was a bit of a farce with... Uh, his Instagram post that Mourinho didn't seem to take too happily to. So <laughs> yeah. I think there's been a bit of a clash of egos there, a clash of personalities. Um, ultimately, I think it's going to affect Bale worse because he'll go back to Madrid and that'll prove the end of his career from there. But it's um, it's a very frustrating one. And we saw again the other day when he came off the bench against City, it was only one moment. There was just a, that little moment of magic where he jinked past two players, three players had a shot, which shows he has still got it. And he, if he gets given the run of games, he might still be able to produce that. But... Um, I think he's leaving it too late, to be honest. We've all we got a few months of the season left and he's, he's yet to be given a real chance. I don't know if he, he's going to be getting the chance to do it now. We're running out of games and competitions. Unless he pulls something out of a bag in the Europa League, maybe, or scores a hat-trick against West Ham, you know, I wouldn't say no to that. But, yeah, a very, very strange situation and not a very savoury one, really. Alex, looking at to, to this weekend, um, normally... When, when West Ham and Spurs meet, uh, whether it's Upson Park or London Stadium, the atmosphere is is, is pretty good. Not going to have it this time um, for obvious reasons. How do you think this game's going to go with both sides in such different form, but without the, 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 the atmosphere that this game normally brings in East London? Do you think that might, that might sort of change the dynamic a little bit? Or do you think that we're kind of beyond that now and it's just going to be... T- Two teams, one in form, one out. Yeah, it's, it's, I can barely even remember what it's like to have fans in, to be honest. And I'm sure the players <laughs> are used to, used to it now as well. So I'm not sure like the fan aspect will necessarily play a part. Obviously, it's still still a derby game. Um, I think your boys will be bang up for it, as you always are. Um, the, the issue for us is, I think, Thursday. But we looked knackered. I'm not making excuses because every team are knackered, but... We look knackered against City. We've got a Europa League game on Thursday. I can't see Jose rotating any players for that, really. I think we've got to go all out for Europa League at this point. So I can't see much rotation. I think the likes of Kane, Son are all going to play. And I think they'll be pretty jaded by the time uh, Sunday comes around. 
And it's just going to be a case of, I think, oh, I don't know, I really hate to say it, I, just, I, I can't see past the West Ham win, honestly. The way you boys are playing compared to the way we're playing and without the aspect of the fans maybe in the stadium, my prediction, if, I, if you predict, I, I'd go for something like a scrappy 1-0 or 2-1 West Ham, but I don't know how you boys think about it, what your predictions are, but I've, I've never been less... <laughs> yeah, you do, you do seem somewhat glum. That's uh, body language and tone of voice for a man yeah. who seems to be beaten. Shoulder slumps, looking at the floor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. No, I think I'm still a bit nervous, but I just think I think ultimately, like you say, when you've got Kane and Son there, even if you concede two, which is feasible. I saw your tweet comparing Devons and Sanchez to Bambi on ice the other night, which did tickle me. Um but I think when you've got Kane and Son in your team, as we saw when we played you at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium earlier in the season, you were 3-0 up within, what was it, 21 minutes or something? Just absolutely yeah, yeah. wang, bang, bang, bang. And I think that can happen, can't it? It's not like when we played Sheffield United the other night, we might be able to dominate possession perhaps or or seem like we're better for 85 minutes of the play, but it only needs to get within a sniff of Kane once. It sounds like a bit age-old cliches that, but he only needs a yard or two. And if they're both playing, they can turn it on, can't they? And uh, so I'm still a little bit a little bit nervous. Well, look, Alex has given us his score prediction there. Tom, uh, what's yours for the game? Uh, I think it'll be 1-0. I don't think it'll be... I think we're playing probably better than you think in your... But like, I think it'll be close. I think we might just nick it. I think we'll have the, a set piece will do it. Tom Suchek, 1-0. <laughs> James? <laughs> I just, I'm I'm pretty apprehensive about it, but I always am when, when we come up against Spurs. Uh, in my charity bet, I've got a draw, both teams to score. And um, as much as something in my head going, yeah, this is the best time to play, and we, you know, we, we'll get three points. I'm just trying to keep my feet on the ground. And just, yeah, it's going to be going to be a draw, very tight affair. Um, yeah, one all. Draw. Yeah, I've, James. I know it seems like I've been yeah. I know it seems like I've been copying you a lot in recent times, but I, I have got a feeling as well. I think Moyes will know that with all the other positives that are going on at the moment, if he comes away from it with a one all and doesn't lose, that's not the end, <laughs> the end of the world at all. I think yeah. it'll be two teams, not re- neither a team wanting the ball, both teams being pragmatic and trying to sit back against another team who's sitting back. And they'll just be the ball will just be in the centre circle. No one wanted to touch it. Everyone <laughs> doing that for, for ninety minutes. We see. Well, look, Alex, it's uh, great to to join us. Even though it was uh, one of the glummest opposition view guests I think we've ever had, and he, and that's saying something because we had a Sheffield United fan on last week, and even he was more oh. upbeat than you were. I think. But Alex Milne, there, sports journalist from the Daily Mirror and Tottenham fan. Thanks very much for joining us. Stay with us because we've got name that game next. So that was Alex Milne, sports journalist from the Daily Mirror, talking uh, about the West Ham v Spurs game. Huge game that at London Stadium on Sunday, 12 o'clock kickoff. James, I feel like you. I'm just nervous. I don't like it. <laughs> Last few weeks, I've been quite looking forward to it. And yeah, it'll just, if we if we get a one all, I'll be uh, I'll be more than happy. But look, one uh, person for whom a draw is not good enough is James Jones at that name that game. I say it every week. He had a almost insurmountable lead, or so it seemed, when he was sitting pretty on nineteen points a few weeks ago with me and Tom straggling 
in the early teens. But that has all changed. Thomas Edwards is on a red hot run of form at name that game, sits top of the leaderboard on 32 points. I am four points behind on 28. And then James, just two points behind me on 26. For any new listeners, each week the quiz master, which this week is Tom, picks a West Ham match from history, collates seven necessary pieces of information about that game, uh, read them out one at a time, and me and the lads. Uh, also, the two players, which is me and James tonight, jump in at any time and try and guess the next one for each correct answer. We get a point which adds on to our total tally overall. I think that is about it. So, Thomas, are you ready? I am ready, lads. Are you ready? Let's have it. Yeah. The obscure fact is it was the first time a West Ham United player had ever scored a hat-trick in the Premier League. Any guesses? I'm going to go... 4-1 Incorrect Is it 4-3? No You got it The correct scoreline is West Ham United Well, well it's 3-0 So West Ham United 3-0 Right, so no, I, know, I haven't got it What's the uh, Have you got an alternate piece of information For the opposition goal scorer, Tom? The one of them will be two people got an assist in the game. Um, if you can name one of them, which you may, may be easier done later on, but if you can name one of them for the duration of this, then I'll give you the extra point. Okay. Uh, Paul Kitson. Incorrect. Oh. Tony Cotty. Are you saying Tony Cotty is this no assist from Tony Cotty? All right, I'll go West Ham goal scorer. Tony Cotty? Tony Cotty is correct. <laughs> Wait, that's what I meant. Oh, so I think you did. I think you did. We, were, we were answering assists. What is going on here? No, Why Tom, does this always Tom, happen? Tom, Tom, you said, you said, if you can, if you can, you might want to answer it later, Dan, if you can get assists later I down the line, I'll give you a point. I did say that. So if Jonesy was answering the goals, so I I've, have the, the uh, game ahead. So I've, I've said Tony Cotty is goal scorer. I was guessing assists. I swear on my life, I was actually guessing assists. But I tell you what, James, I will let you have it because I was thinking it was John Hartson anyway. So a bit of honesty here. I don't want another controversy involving James Jones. He yeah. does not this like is... being at the bottom of the table. I will I say was... my um, the game's over your face as well. So I'm just uh, taking a look at the facts of it. So I didn't see Jonesy light up. But I did think that's fair enough because I did say maybe it'll be easier after after we answer the question, so I will give that to Jonesy. Ah, joking. I've been well and truly stitched up here. Right, okay. Well, can I go next then, James, to balance this out? All right, thanks. Uh, I'm going to go Upton Park. That is correct. That's a point at the bank. Um, Opponent. Oh, blimey. Who wants to go first on this? It's James's go. Come on, him. Trying to think back. Nah. I just, this is a, a complete stab in the dark. I'm going to say Sheffield Wednesday. It is not Sheffield Wednesday. That made me my stomach flutter then. I thought you got that right. Uh, I'm going to say... Oh, oh. Tottenham? Incorrect. I like where your head's at. I like where your head's at. Um, oh. I think maybe it's. Can I give a clue? There's not much clue I can give you without can te- giving it. 
Yeah, you tell us who the opponent is now, don't you? Yeah, the opponent was Man City. It was a 3 0 win against Man City. Right. And then the season <laughs> to take it. You going first, James? Yeah. I'm going to cry if you get it right. Uh, I've got, is it 94 95? It is 94 oh! 95. Oh, it's <laughs> oh, <laughs> a nightmare. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, oh, that's so annoying. Uh. Um, quality that. Sorry, it's a bit of an obscure one. I had no clue, but it was one of those stats I actually saw in the week. Someone tweet and I just sort of stored it. Um, so can we uh, can can we uh, just have a for a bonus points here, James? Can we go back and guess the who we think were doing the assists or what? Yeah, um, I think. Um, or just for yeah. good measure. We have one guess each. Yeah. Can I go first? Yeah, go on. Yeah, you're up, Will. I'll go Ian Bishop. Correct. Yeah, in the 57th minute. <laughs> oh, what a legend. The long flowing hair behind this. Absolutely outstanding. Yeah. Is there anyone else? Is there another point for James to be out here? There is another point. There's more assists. So only two of Tony's goals were actually um, assisted by anyone. And obviously Ian Bishop's won. And there's a goal assist in the 10th minute by a who, Jonesy? Martin Allen. A good effort, but it was uh Tim Breaker. Tim Breaker, legend <laughs> doing his best Vladimir Kufal impression back in '94. <laughs> Legendary yeah. stuff. That's a, that's a great game there, Tom. I like that 3 0 to West Ham against Manchester City at home. I don't, yeah, I was thinking it might have been from the uh, the old '94 95 uh cassette video season review that I had that I used to watch on repeat when I was a little kid but Tom that makes the scores a little bit closer so you've got uh, me on 30 points after that James Jones up to 28 you are still out in the lead with two but your lead has been narrowed to just two points now good stuff I am in the hot seat next week's James a chance for you to move off the bottom if you get more than two points and Tom chance for you to increase your lead over me so that will be this time next week stay with us because we're nearly done on the we are west ham podcast and it's the west ham women's section next right right you ready yeah so name that game there dramatic scenes once again i know what you're thinking at home why is james jones always involved in controversy when it comes to name that game every single week it seems i know how you feel imagine being the one who has to host the podcast poor old tom's done his best there on the quiz and james jones absolutely nausing it up for the rest of us he is not happy but two points a piece a great bit of reminiscing there back to 94 95 tom was about minus 11 years old at that stage i believe i don't know where we were in the league that season tom but the west ham women they are 11th in the wsl and it seems like we're having the same conversation every week, lads. Just two points off the bottom. Bristol City were hammered 5-0 by Chelsea, which was kind of an expected result. But the girls lost 1-0 away to Brighton last Wednesday, the day after last week's show. So it might seem like a while 
now but again it was you watch the you watch the results and sounds like a broken record uh eileen whelan's goal and half an hour was from a corner we're talking about maz pacheco again it was just poor poor marking from the left back to uh let whelan nip in in front of her to stab the ball home seems like we're talking about problems in that left back position week in week out there was an outstanding save by Mackenzie Arnold in the West Ham goal while it was still nil nil Laura Vetterlein had one cleared off for West Ham as well with the scores still level or still goalless uh, Vetterlein and Vetterlein sorry hit the bar with a free kick at one nil uh, you know and then was back making last ditch challenges when Brighton were through to make it two she was by far West Ham's best player but James I mean push for an equaliser at the end but it doesn't matter there's no points again against the team and a game where we were saying before it's must win how long do we keep saying these games are must win well it's only so I mean although the performance wasn't wasn't the worst um, at the end of the day it's, it's goals that will end up winning football matches and you know how much I love a cliche but there's, there's no other better cliche to, to describe the situation at the moment uh, the performances haven't been bad under Ollie Harder um, it's just that they're struggling to to get the goals and, and to get to get the wins and at the moment we're now we're now almost relying on Bristol City to to continue losing just to ensure our our, our WSL status and you know, that's not a healthy position to be in um, now Vetterline looks like you know she could be you know the danger and, and and the player that everyone's going to be looking to 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 get us out of the situation. But you can't again. You can't rely on one player to you know to 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 be doing it doing it all. Um, so it's a, it's a it's a precarious situation. Um, uh, but again, one win that does it does it lift the team? You know they had the win in the cup, and then everyone thought right that's it. They'll they'll push on. They haven't pushed on. Um, so yeah, it's it's a difficult situation, but I don't I don't know how many more must win games they can get. And next up's Chelsea at the top of the league, so it doesn't get any easier. Well, that's the thing, Tom. I was just going to say that there, Chelsea at home Sunday the seventh of March. That is three o'clock kickoff. They hammered Bristol City at the week. Obviously, they lost to uh, they lost to Brighton a couple of weeks ago, which was pretty historic. They're unlikely to do that again in a hurry, especially against a team who's doing what West Ham are doing at the moment. I mean, at the risk of us all sounding like broken records here, what else is there? What else is there to say, really? What what else can you say? Because that that was a, a as much of a must-win game as, the, as there could really be, and, and, and we didn't win it. Exactly that. Yeah, it's, it's a bit like lockdown. It's just Groundhog Day with the girls at the minute. And um, it's a shame. And, and as much as Jonesy's right, the performances haven't been terrible under Oli Harder. Their worry's got to be there that he hasn't picked up the points. They haven't been getting what they need in order to preserve their WSL status. They've lost a, key, a few key figures in that dressing room, particularly Alicia Lehman, who's obviously been there for a few years now. Obviously, there's reason to let her go. But clearly that squad had a bit of a breakdown um, in the last management and, and everything that happened and transcribed since then. So it, it's a difficult period for the club. And Oli Harder, you expect to come in there with a bit of a new new manager bounce and get a few points and get a few results. And yes, he had that win in the quarterfinal of the Cup and that's it. And we haven't seen anything else. So I think the girls may well be questioning him. The whole club might not be in the best possible place at the minute, but it does just take one thing to change and go, right, it won't be this weekend against Chelsea. They'll they'll probably be on the end of a stuffing, to be honest, as they have been doing all season, Chelsea. So it's going to be another week 
where the girls are going to have to show some uh, mental grit and come out the other end because Chelsea's unlikely. But then again, we're only a couple of results away from Bristol City getting ahead of us. And um, it's very tight down there, but we just need something to to move in the right direction because it's been a poor, poor start for Ollie and, and the girls. And uh, who knows what's going to happen from here. Well, Bristol City have got Reading at home this week, which is a winnable game for them. You would expect West Ham to lose. Obviously, we have played one more game than Bristol City. West Ham have played 13, Bristol on 14, West Ham on eight points, Bristol on six. But Villa, who are one place above us, have played one game less and got two points more. Uh, Birmingham City have played two games less than West Ham and got three points more, who are in the place above Villa. I can't see us finishing any higher than sort of 10th place come the end of the season, to be quite honest. The 22 games to play, we've played 13 so far. Nine games left is still, you know, a significant amount of the campaign left, but there is really not a lot at the moment to to pull some positives from. On the flip side, that could have easily been with the chances they had at the weekend. That could have been a 2-1 game to West Ham, albeit it could also have been a 4-0 or a 4-1 to Brighton but it really needs to be a by hook or by crook I think we're all writing off the Chelsea game and that's not unnecessary pessimism but um, yeah not good stuff for the girls at the moment and it's just one of those situations where you just hope there's a a magic rabbit to be pulled out of a magic hat somewhere or whatever that phrase is but that's Chelsea at home nonetheless will be uh, well behind the girls on Sunday Chelsea at home three o'clock kickoff and then it's Birmingham at home Manchester United away Reading away and Villa at home are the games to follow that takes us up to the 20th of April so some winnable ones in there just got hope that the girls uh, find something at the weekend that, that they can cling on to and take into a positive into their next game but stay with us because that is pretty much it from the We Are West Ham show tonight we'll have some brief Fantasy Premier League update and some final thoughts from the lads next. Yep. So you are still listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh, Tom Edwards and James Show. It's been a packed show tonight. Andy Byrne from Hammers United. We've had on, we've had the commentator from West Ham Clips for the Betway Charity Bet section. We've had Alex Milne, sports journalist and Tottenham fan from the Daily Mirror. We've packed loads in. It's been a great one. Uh, just quickly before we go, we're still in the middle of a fantasy Premier League game week, lads. Uh, I'm currently on 78 points. We have Edison, John Stones, Phil Foden, Ashley Barnes and Ben Mee still to play. But Ben Mee got injured, stretched off the other day. So I don't think he's going to play. Uh, I don't know how you both are doing quickly. Jonesy, do you know how you're getting on? Yeah, I'm on 83. Uh, oh, yeah? Thanks to oh, beat, yeah, Captain Gundogan, didn't I? Um, uh, but I've also got Ben Mee. Um, ideas in the team. He didn't play the first game for City, but should play on Wednesday night. Um, so I've got and I've got Luca Dina as well. So uh, I've got Watkins coming off the bench as well for two points in place of Antonio. So I'm doing all right this week. Yeah, Catching Tom, you up, Tom. Absolutely floundering. 46 points. I see Mendy and goal who didn't play, and Nyland, your sub goalie, is not going to play either. So <laughs> that'll be a blank for your keeper. Did you just give up this week? I don't know who I hate more, Tuchel or Frank Lampard, to be honest with you, because the absolute state of him, what, what is he on about? But um, Yeah, not my best week, but I went for a bit of a rogue one with uh, captaining Foden, trying to steal some points back of uh, people who may well be ahead of me because it could have gone my way. But 
one of those weeks, but last few I've been moving in the right direction. And so it, it, no time for stress and panic. And I've got four or five left to come out and Lookman's going to get a hat trick anyway, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> I'd be stressing and panicking if I was you, that is for sure. Well, look, James, uh, Tom, we've got four minutes left. Been a great show so far. Just get some final thoughts from you both before we say goodbye. Josie. Uh, I mean, again, it's another thing I feel like we say it every week, but the next couple of fixtures um, are, are massive for us now, Spurs and City coming up. We've only got, what, two points off of top six opposition this season. So, you know, if we are serious top four contenders, then these are the two games. I think maybe City is going to be a little bit of an ask, but, um, but this Spurs game, I know I'm apprehensive about the result, but you know, if we can get a result here, you know, that really... It is. It will be a statement to, to the rest of the top six. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how we handle it. Um, but yeah, as far as the the season so far goes, like I'm just buzzing. Absolutely massive, aren't we, boys? And um, <laughs> whatever happens between now and May, um, it, it's been it's been fun. It's been fun so far. I can't, I can't wait to see what happens next. Yeah, fingers crossed we uh, carry this momentum and finish the season strongly. Tom, final thoughts. Good show tonight. Good guests. Uh, good week again for West Ham. Big, big game against Tottenham on Sunday. Yeah, exactly, mate. Loved it. Loved it as always again this week. And um, yeah, that's it. I think each week it actually gets harder to watch, not because of any fault of the boys, but just the more more and more becomes on the line. 14 games. They, they showed a graphic at the end of the game, the table, and you think, it's actually 14 games left. That's really not that many. Buy a few results and, and you're well amongst it. So keep grinding it out. I think, like we said earlier on when we spoke to Milne, there's this is as good as it chance we'll get to beat Tottenham. We've got City after it, which probably makes it even bit more important because we're not going to win against City and the table's so close now. So you don't know how it's going to change in those two weeks. But we're playing well. There's no reason why we can't get results in both games. And yeah, it is absolute well whilst it's going on. So fingers crossed we're still here in a few more weeks because it's pretty fun being up there in the European spots. Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Well, just quickly, just a reminder, do follow us on Twitter at we are underscore West Ham or on Instagram as well. And go and subscribe to our YouTube channel if you fancy it. We'll have the full extended version of that interview with Andy Byrne from Hammers United up on YouTube within the next day or so if you want to get a bit more detail from Andy on that we'll also have some other exclusive content that goes on there so do subscribe the the link to the YouTube channel is in the podcast description below so definitely go over there and like I say at we are underscore West Ham do give us a review we haven't pushed that for a couple of weeks so if you fancy feeling nice you've got nothing to do because it's locked down go over to iTunes or wherever it is that you listen to the podcast, give us five stars, write some nice words. That'd be lovely. And like we always say, just tell your mates about us. If you know any hammers and they like podcasts, or even if they don't tell them about it, get them listening. And uh, yeah, we'll add another listener to the pile of, uh, of you that we already absolutely love each and every one of you. So that is it for this week. Declan stayed rice cool from the spot against the blades and it's Tottenham on Sunday. No clever words. It's the big one. Absolutely huge. North North Londoners against the East Londoners. Massive London derby. You know they care just as much as we do. Thanks for listening, everyone. Come on, you irons. Up the hammers. We'll see you next week. Hi, this is Tony Cotty, and you're listening to the We Are West End podcast.
Podcast Network.